Hello, my name is Lauren Robinson. I'm a resident at St. Mary Mercy Hospital. I'm accompanied with Dr. Shabala, and our podcast today is going to be about neurologic disorders. So I gave a presentation today about acute peripheral neurologic disorders, procedures, and dementia and delirium. Dr. Shabala, do you have any interesting cases that are related to um, any pertinent neurology uh, concepts that you think we should know and keep in mind when we're evaluating our patients in the emergency department? Well, that's an excellent question. Thank you, Dr. Robinson. So my idea in this is to talk about a case. We had a um, elderly woman come in last week with a terrible intracranial hemorrhage, and I, I think it's interesting to talk about that particular neurologic problem and how it interfaces with end-of-life conversations. So um, here's the case. An 87-year-old lady comes to the ER with uh, by EMS because her daughter, who was visiting her in the nursing home, came early and found that her mom was not responsive at all, basically wouldn't wake up. And yesterday she was walking and talking. Now she has demented, but not terrible. She still had her hair done. She went to her family's house for holidays, so she still had some um, a decent quality of life. So she arrives in the ER unresponsive, and um, we're there to take care of her. So um, it's early uh, Tuesday, and presumably we had all the ancillary services that we would need. and. Um, so on exam, she had a Glasgow coma scale, maybe seven, maybe six. She was breathing comfortably, but had these yawning respirations. And uh, in my experience, yawning in someone who's unresponsive is, is not a good sign. Um, she didn't have a fever. Her blood pressure was like 200 over 100. Uh, but she wasn't really having any distress. So, uh, so Dr. Robinson, under these circumstances, Glasgow coma of a seven, unresponsive. Mm -hmm. What's your first inclination? Um, my first inclination would be to um, check the blood sugar, um, maybe give some Narcan, and then discuss what the daughter um, code status, because if she's not protecting her airway, then she needs to be intubated. If she's yes, yeah, oh, that's great. I, I think that's sort of a trick question, because I thought you would say intubate right away. But of course, there's the ABCs and all that. So yeah, Narcan, check the blood sugar, don't miss that, and rope in the family. But of course, the family isn't there. So now what are you going to do? Blood sugar's normal. She doesn't respond to Narcan. Okay. Does she, did she come with paperwork that said she's going to be full code? Or the paperwork DNR? is present, but it's hard to decipher. Hard to decipher. Well, if, if I don't know and there's nothing that says that we can't do it, then I would assume that she's full code until proven otherwise. That means what though? What would you do? Then I would intubate her if she's not protecting her airway. But what do you mean not protecting her airway? If she, well, does she have a gag reflex? Mm, barely, but there's probably a little gag there. Okay, well, GCS of six, mm, I think we could go ahead and intubate. So you would just intubate her based on her Glasgow coma scale? Does her gag reflex um, influence that? So a question from the audience. I, I think <laughs> if, 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 if she was totally gone, even if she had a glass, even if she had a gag reflex, we would intubate her, right? Right. So I mean, but we're sort of trying not to. And does right? everyone have a gag reflex? Okay, we're trying not to intubate her because she probably has some bad problem and she's old, and you know where are we going with this? So um, because I've been down this road before, I sort of don't want to intubate people because I I don't want them to go upstairs and die in the vent. But having said that, maybe maybe she'll respond to therapy and you intubate her, and in a couple of days she'll perk up. But uh, that's frequently not the case. 
So, so how do you play it? I think it's not crazy just to intubate all these patients, especially if you're on your own and you don't have much support, just intubate them because you're to torture yourself, worrying about her the whole time, so just get it done. So that's reasonable, that's a reasonable approach. But for us, it was early in the day, and I, the first thing I did is I got on the phone, I called the daughter, and she answered the phone. It was beautiful, I said, please come in. She says, I'm coming in right now. So she said, I'll be there in five minutes. So, um, so why not, so Dr. Robin said, why mm -hmm. not just take this lady to CT? Why do you have to intubate her? Why not just take her to CT? I wouldn't want her to decompensate um, while she's in the scanner. We were lucky in our emergency department that it's right down the hall, but. So you would say, I'd like to avoid a catastrophe. Maybe she'll deteriorate now. How often do patients really die right in front of you? It's just not that common, especially, especially in someone who's breathing okay and looks generally okay. You probably have a few minutes to get her to the scanner and she's not gonna die. Now you don't, you guys don't have that experience to say that this has been my experience, but in general, people don't die right in front of you. You have some time to think and order a few tests. But I think um, by the book, intubate her before she goes to CAT scan. That's a reasonable choice. However, this lady had a daughter who was rushing in and who could hopefully clarify the situation. So mm -hmm. we decided to take the lady to CT. And Alex, would you mind showing the CT? So we take her to CT and she has a gigantic hemorrhage. Oh. So the family, now the family arrives. So Dr. Robinson, here's the CAT scan, doesn't look good. So let's say I'm the family member. What would you, what would you, what would you tell me? Such a difficult conversation. Um, I would tell her that, you know, your mother, since she was found unresponsive, we did a CT scan and it shows that she has a large, she has a large intracranial bleed. Um, does not look very good for her. Uh, we can calculate, I'm not sure what it's called. Look, why, why aren't you calling the neurosurgeon to do surgery in this? My mom had a decent life and I, are you sure you can't do surgery in this? Just do surgery and cut that, Cut, cut her head open and suck the clot out. Why not? No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't work like that. You can't just <laughs> do surgery. <laughs> right. So, no, 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 I think, but but we all understand that that's a great question from a layman because I, I want to know wh what are you going to do for my mom, and um, it's it's sort of useful to have some recipe of answers that um, you can uh, kind of educate patients and try to or ed educate patients, family, and. Um, give them some guidance about their decisions. So you would say, you could say, well, you know what, under these circumstances, in general, neurosurgeons won't operate in these cases because we have found that surgery for this sort of problem doesn't, um, it doesn't help them. They're not any more likely to live if they get surgery. Sounds crazy, but it's true. Surgery doesn't really help people get through this. So what else can you do for my mom? Well, I mean, I think it helps to have some sort of a dis prediction you could say, well, I think she's not going to do well. What do you mean by that? You mean she'll go home in two weeks with a cane? Okay, I, I can accept that. Well, how do you know she's going to die? I mean, where are you getting that information? You're not a neurosurgeon. Where is the neurosurgeon? And you, we tried to, in this particular case, send the images to the neurosurgeon. He was in the operating room. He's not helping us. So we know the CAT scan doesn't look good, but we're not authoritative. We're not neurosurgeons. But there is a tool called the... Um, this uh, intra, it's an intracranial hemorrhage cerebral or intracerebral hemorrhage. hemorrhage MD calc score. So you can take a number of um, clinical features of this patient and plug it into this scoring system and it gives you a kind of a predicted mortality and then you can tell the family, you know, this lady, your mom who's in her 80s, 
who has uh, a large hemorrhage, probably more than 30 cc's, who also has an, uh, a location in the brain and uh, has a current ultra-mental status. We kind of factor this all in, and I can tell you her, her mortality is probably 90%. So once you have that, you really feel more confident about making a prediction to the family. And this, and this calculator is really nice. You just put the age in the Glasgow coma scale. Is this bleed uh, in the posterior fossa? And uh, uh, what else? Is it intraventricular? And this particular patient was positive for all of them. And actually, her mortality was 100% on this thing. Um, the other issue for us um, trying to make uh, predictions, how much volume of blood is in the brain? How do you guys make that determination? This morning, I called our neuroradiologist, neuro and I asked him, well, why isn't there a software program that just calculates the blood volume that's leaked into the brain? He says, we don't do that. And uh, there is a thing called the APC um, divided by two score that uh, you can do at the bedside looking at a scan. And he was unfamiliar with it. So for us, it's sort of a, this is our sort of thing, I guess. So um, the previous image, Al, excuse, show that picture again, would you? The previous image shows a giant hemorrhage and the ABC score is, uh, it's pretty easy. You just find the biggest, you find the cut with the biggest hemorrhage and you measure the largest diameter. And on this one, it's about, let's say, seven centimeters. And then you take the radius of that diameter at the, at the widest. And on this one, it's about three centimeters. And then you multiply those two and you multiply that times the number of cuts that you see blood. And you divide that by two. Now this has been studied, it's not like really, really accurate, but it does provide some accuracy. So for this patient, her number came out to be about 45. So a, a large, large, huge hemorrhage would be 60 cc's. Once you get over 30, then, then it's worrisome and, and bad as well. So for her, her hemorrhage was greater than 30. It was in her posterior fossa. She's older than 80. Her Glasgow coma was five. And what's the last one? She had intraventricular blood. So her mortality was, you know, almost 100%. So you can use this scoring system and say, you know, your mom is probably going to die. And I, I think that um, under these circumstances, maybe it makes sense to concentrate on her just being comfortable. And um, we can call our palliative care team and provide her whatever comfort she needs. We turn the lights down in the room and you can spend some time with her because I think she's going to die. So once you make this calculation, you have a little more confidence that you know what you're talking about. And it turns out this lady went upstairs and six hours later she was dead. So I mean, if it's a night, you would have intubated her. She went to the ICU and she'd have died on the vent in the ICU. Okay, we do that all the time. But for us, during the day shift, everyone's sort of there. Palliative care team came down to assess the patient. And it was really a win because she had a pretty good death. And it's not often we can provide a good death for these people family was happy, and this poor lady didn't. I mean, are we going to treat her hypertension? I don't think so. Her pressure was high, but if she's dying and she's comfort measures, we're not going to put her on drips and all that. So it was actually, it was a good case. So there you go. Any questions from the audience? So any, any room for like temporizing measures like mannitol or hypertension? Why not? And it's sort of interesting. Is it shades of grades? If, if the family's not there and you don't really know what to do, then you sort of give her maybe some of the package or do you give her the whole package if you think he's going to die? You sort of just, you just kind of drib and drab it. Um, but for someone who's comfort measures in hospice, we just uh, turned off the lights, took her IV out, you know? So if she was 
intubated them, then you sort of th then you have to do everything, right? So this is more a talk about how to do the palliative care end of life stuff, which is tricky. Thanks. Thank you, Franz. Thank you very much, Dr. Robinson, for your attention. Thank you, Dr. Shabala. Okay. Okay.